He woke up like he woke up most mornings, grumpy. His eyes were bleary, didn't feel like he'd gotten enough rest. After a quick trip to the bathroom, he started to make his way into, the, into his kitchen to look for coffee. He had no idea he was being watched. As he's fumbling around with the, uh, with the coffee pot and pouring his first cup, he couldn't see it. and He couldn't hear it. But it was there. It was watching him. Buzzing around his head like a like the like the ugliest dragonfly you ever saw. <laughs> Wings beating like a hummingbird. He's a spiritual creature. A insect demon, if you want to call it that. Buzzing around his head. <laughs> And the fact that he couldn't see it and he couldn't hear it was actually part of its power. You see, it was so small and so powerless that if he could, if he could have seen it, if he could have heard it, he could just, he could squash it. He could have swatted it away. But he couldn't. But he could feel it. It's what's called a distractor. This little demonic insect looking like a dragonfly. And its purpose was to neutralize Christians, to keep them from life effectiveness. Turns out there's quite a few of them. Buzzing around his head. And, and, this, and this little voice that he couldn't hear, but he could feel. Look here, look here, look over 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 here. And there seemed to be a lot of activity around this one kind of, kind of little device that was on his end table that had been charging overnight. He felt strangely drawn to it. Look over here, 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 look over here. He picked it up. And though he couldn't hear it, there was cheering. Yay! He turned it on. And somehow that just felt good. Of course, for, for the little distractor, his job wasn't over yet. He was only halfway there to the goal. As the man's eyes blurrily scanned the screen. And with the, thanks to the little distractor, there was lots and lots of energy around some parts of the screen and very little energy around other parts of the screen. Look here, look here, look here, look here. And he sees this one box that has an F on it. And right next to it, another little box that looks like a camera. (gasps) Look here, look here, look here, look here, look here, look here. You want to see this? Look here, look here, look here. Another one next to it. It looks like a little blue bird. Look here, look here, look here, look here. And strangely enough, strangely enough, the distractor managed to block the one that was brown. 
making it harder to see in that moment. The man, he couldn't see it, he couldn't hear it, he couldn't hear all that was going on, but he felt it. Have you ever felt it? And so he went for the camera. Ooh. And he saw pictures. He saw some of his friends and all their vacation highlights. Ooh. And five minutes went by. And 10 minutes went by. And 15 minutes went by. And he looked up and realized he was late for work and he needed to go. He needed to get going. But as he looked at all the vacation photos, all the highlights of all the people around him, he thought, my life is pretty lousy and it's never going to change. And at least for that day, he was absolutely right. And after the distractor bug had completed its task for the day, it flew off to the next victim, knowing that it had once again effectively neutralized one more Christian. Let's pause the story there. Now, in um, full disclosure, I have no idea whether or not there are demonic insects. That is completely and totally made up stuff in my brain, okay? That is, so don't, don't hinge on that. But this part of the story is absolutely true. Let me see your eyes. This part of the story is absolutely true. One is that there are spiritual forces at play when it comes to what is going to, what is going to gain our attention. Do you believe that? I have no idea whether it's little demonic insects, but there's spiritual forces at play. And two, that the stakes are very, very high. Here's why. We all know this. Um, you may not put it this way, but it is true. See, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Generally move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So the things that have our attention and focus, overall, we tend to orient our lives around them. That's why as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends even, you know, when, when, you're, when you're raising your kids or you're, t- or you're thinking about your nieces, your nephews or your grandkids, you're really concerned about who are their friends and what are they watching. Why? Because our influences matter. All of us, all of us are influenced. All of us, all of us, all of us. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And that's why today, uh, being um, New Year's Day, and kind of the unique opportunity to start a year off with a worship service. We don't usually get to do that, but we do today, and it's super cool. I wanted to just spend one Sunday on a topic that um, my hunch is, if you're a follower of Jesus or you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, as I bring this topic up, you'd be like, yep, I know that's important. And many of us, if not most of us, struggle with it. So I want to see if we can make some progress on this. And it is what you could call a keystone habit. A keystone habit. In other words, there are some 
some practices in our life that once those are established, they unlock other things. Now, your doctor will probably tell you the importance of, and, and he's right, or she's right, the importance of diet and exercise and getting enough sleep. If you, if you get those three things in, in, in place physically, all these other things in life start to unlock for you. Well, there is a keystone habit. Actually, even there's been studies done in, like, among Christians that help us to understand this one keystone habit. When we get this one in place on a regular basis, it unlocks all these other things in our life. Do you know what that habit is? The Bible. Is regularly spending time in the Word of God. So here's what I'm hoping to do in the next few minutes, and I apologize in advance if this sounds just a little bit like a sales pitch, because it sort of is. I'm not meaning to manipulate you. I am hoping to equip you and inspire you. My hope is that in the next few minutes is that for those who do not yet have a, like plans and habits in place in their life so that they are in God's word on a daily or near daily basis. And the reason I say near daily is because, you see, the, the point of being in God's word isn't that you have a perfect track record in it. It's that it becomes a habit so that if you miss it, if you miss time in God's word on a daily basis, you go, oh, I'm going to get back to that. You know, kind of like brushing your teeth. You know, there may be things that come up in your life, you know, where you, you have, a, have oral surgery or you end up in the hospital and you can't brush your teeth for a couple of days. And, and when that's over, you don't go, oh, I am such a failure at, ter- at tooth brushing. I will never try that again. You don't do that. You go, no, I'm really looking forward to brushing my teeth again. Right? That... that Time in God's word as a, as a Christ follower becomes as second nature as that. It becomes this, in, this highly developed habit. Now, I realize that for some of you here, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, uh, to use the, the uh, what is it, the, the proverb, preaching to the choir. Some of you already know, you, you're already doing this, and that's great because you've already seen the benefit of this in your life. And that's good. So in... I hope in these next couple minutes, it'll well, be more than a couple minutes, but not too long, um, that uh, this will be something that's a reminder for you. You're like, oh, yeah, 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 I remember, I remember, and that was really good. And, and I also hope that you'll pray, that you'll pray for, for me and being an effective communicator, and you'll pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, that those who have really honest challenges and hang-ups with this area would in some way get today inspired and, and spiritually equipped to take a step forward in this particular keystone habit. You know, what, could it, what would it be like if in 2023, like the December 31st, 2023, you were able to say, I was in God's word either every day or pretty much every day for a year. What could that be like? And what might be present in your life in greater degrees than it is now if that was in place? That you're drawing closer to Jesus on a daily basis through the word of God. What might be different in your life, better in your life as a result of that time together? So let's take a look at what that might be. 
See, Scripture actually says some things about itself. And um, so I'd like to look at this passage that we find in 2 Timothy chapter 3. verse. Well, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 and then really do a deeper dive in verses 14 through 17. Now, 2 Timothy is a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to his young protege, Timothy, who's in Ephesus. And as far as we know, this is the, this is the last letter that Paul writes before his death. So the, this is one of those like kind of famous last words kind of letter. Like, so what things really, really matter? If you only had, I don't know, Second Timothy's not that long. Let's say 2,000 words, 2,000 words to write to somebody about like what really matters. Like somebody you really cared about you're, and you knew that they'd read it. What would you say? And this is, this is some of what Paul's writing to Timothy. Like, I want you to know this, Timothy. I want you to know this. So let's start with verses 1 through 4, because I just think it's interesting. So he's writing to Timothy, and he says this to his dear young friend. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. What's going to happen in the last days, Timothy? People will be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good. They'll be treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what it'll look like in the last days, Timothy. That's what it'll be like. Isn't that interesting? Do you find that interesting? Because oftentimes, if, now, if you're one of those like end times followers, like when's Jesus coming back kind of person, you're, you're probably doing what many people do. You're, like, you're watching politics. And, and that's appropriate. You know, Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Don't let that alarm you. Like, so that's part of it. But, but it's interesting that, that what it's talking about here is not so much a, you know, economic collapse or even military issues or border, border disputes. It's talking about a like a like societal-wide collapse of character. The people will get in, increasingly self-centered. Can you imagine? <laughs> what will it be like in the end times? People will become increasingly self-centered. They'll be ripping their families apart. Because they're, they're concerned with themselves. And then Paul tells Timothy what to do about it. So we're going to jump up to verses 14 through 17. So we just do a little leap here with me. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned. So this is how you, this is how you get through that. This is how you survive that. This is how you thrive in the midst of all that, all that ickiness going on around you. Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then we're going to get to the, the verse we're going to deep dive with today. All scripture, all scripture, Timothy, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, say it with me, teaching. That's like things you need to know, right? Rebuking, say it with me, rebuking. rebuking. Things you need to stop doing. 
right? Correcting and training. So things you need to start doing and how to do it in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God, the servant of God, all who are seeking to follow God, may be thoroughly, and what's the next word? Equipped. Thoroughly equipped. You want to be thoroughly equipped? Tells you how to give it. Get thoroughly equipped. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, so let's talk about this together. So why should we be in the Word of God? Well, here's reason number one. Reason number one is that we encounter Jesus there. We get into the Word of God not so much to win Bible trivia games, though maybe that's a benefit, I don't know. But we get into the Word of God because we meet Jesus there. You know, the, the entire Scriptures, the Old and the New Testaments, all of it point to Jesus. In, in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's anticipating the coming of Christ. Now, oftentimes in the Old Testament, there's going to be passages that we read that are disturbing. Um, you go, wow, these people really need Jesus. Yes, that's right. That's why they're doing all these awful things. The Bible, and the Bible just reports all that. Like when people just go and they kind of do whatever is right in their own eyes, really awful things happen. And it spells all that out. There, remember, there's no perfect Bible heroes in, in the scripture in, other than Jesus. So, you know, when you're reading the Old Testament, you don't need to believe that everything that Moses or Joshua or David or any of those people did was, was 100% right. They did some things right. They got it right sometimes, but sometimes they really got it wrong. David, David, don't look. You're on the rooftop. Everyone else is at war. She's bathing on the rooftop. Don't look. Don't avert your eyes. What? And, but he doesn't. David, don't you know how this could turn out? Well, it could collapse your kingdom and ruin your family. And it just reports all that. So that's one of those like rebuking. Don't do that. You saw him do that. Don't do that. But all scripture points us ultimately to Jesus, our need for Jesus, the, the, the ways that, that living by the, by the ways of Christ can enhance our lives. The things that can happen when we fail to follow Jesus faithfully. All of it, all of it points us to Jesus. All of it. So that's why all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All of it. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, it is, it's possible to be a Christian and not spend time in the Word of God on a regular basis. That works. You can do that. But it's a little bit like owning a car and never going to a gas station. You still own the car, but your range is going to be very limited. Right? And you're going to run out. And you're going to find yourself stuck frequently. So it's possible to be a Christian and not be in the Word of God, but I don't recommend it. Don't recommend it. Now, <clears throat> first reason we're in the Word is because we, we encounter Jesus so we, so we can get trained, we can get corrected, we can get rebuked, we can get equipped. And the second reason why we're spending time in the Word of God, and even if this is, and let's just be honest here, there's sometimes when some passages of Scripture that are, well, they're, they're hard to understand, and some are even boring. You know, there's, there's you know, like 
uh, okay, I, I was starting a new Bible plan this morning. I like to do a Bible in a year plan. That's my, sort of my default. And hang on, I need my reading glasses here. This is Matthew chapter 1, we're in here. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah became... Okay, there are some parts that are a little dry. And it's going to take a little while for those names to make sense. It's going to take a little while for those names to make sense. There are patterns in there. There are things you can learn from it, but it's not going to give you the warm fuzzies right away. So that makes it a little difficult. Let's just be honest. There are some parts, it's a hard slog. But here's what it does every single time. As you're spending time in the Word of God, is it reorients your mind. Is it, is it even if you're in a boring part of Scripture, but you're there to say, okay, Jesus, I want to connect with you. I don't totally understand with all this like it's genealogy stuff, but I want to connect with you. Is it orients our mind around, like, well, around, around Jesus and the things of God? Because here's the thing, is that what you see shapes how you see. What you see shapes how you see. So if you want a, if you want a biblical worldview... You need to spend time in the Bible. If you want a biblical worldview, you want to spend time in the Bible. What you see shapes how you see. We've seen this, um, well, uh, increasingly over the last five, ten years, the, as, you know, as U.S. media gets in more um, politically polarized. You, you can almost tell what somebody's worldview is going to be based on what cable news network they watch the most. Or, you know, what websites they get the majority of their news from. It shapes your worldview. Now, I'm not here to advocate for one media outlet over another, but this much I know. Let this shape your worldview. Okay? Okay? If you're spending more time in Fox News than you are with the Word of God, it is going to skew the way you see the world around you. If you spend more time on on MSN than you do in the Word of God, it is going to skew the way you see the world around you. If you spend more time on Instagram than you spend in the Word of God, it is going to skew the way you see the world around you, and so forth. What you see shapes how you see. And that's why, you know, whether or not Christians are spending time in the Word of God ends up being this really pretty critical part, not only of our own discipleship, but of the direction of culture, the direction of the church, the direction of the world. Because if if Christians are effectively immobilized because we're like cars without gasoline or electric cars without electricity... I mean, we've got all these wonderful garages, but ain't nothing going on. What you see shapes how you see. So so if you're looking to be in in God's word, how do you do that? Here's some ideas. How to be in the word of God, you start with prayer. So if you're opening up the scripture... It can be the simplest of prayers. Because for many of us, this happens early in the morning. This is not you at your best. Let's be honest. And the Lord Lord loves you when you're not at your best because he sees all of it. 
So in your bleary-eyed little you know, bedhead hair, the whole deal, you haven't got all the way through your first cup of coffee yet, it, you're, it's, you're not good. But in some way, you're just saying, Lord, please meet me here. Jesus, I want to meet you here. Lord, show me. Show me what you want me to know today. Rebuke me. Correct me. Train me. Meet with me. The exact words of the prayer don't matter so much as much as just in that moment, you're just you're reaching out to God. God, now, see, now the Bible is not God. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit meets us in the Word of God. It's like, it's like opening the window to, to let the breeze of the Spirit in. Um, so it's, the, the Bible is not God, but it is the best and most dependable way for us to meet with God. Lord, I want to meet you here. So you start with prayer. And then as you are reading, even if it is a boring part or a confusing part, and, and there are also plenty of inspiring and very interesting parts too, see what you notice. See what you notice. So, uh, so yesterday, um, like, I was finishing up uh, my Bible in a year plan, and my particular, the particular reading plan I was in had Nehemiah be the last Old Testament passage we read through. So it was like Nehemiah chapter 15. And it's funny that in the book of Nehemiah, like he's actually this really good leader. He like inspires people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But in the last chapter, he's, he's tired, he's embittered. The people have gone back to patterns of sin and, he's, and there's all this like self-justifying kind of stuff. Lord, remember me. I, th- I tried to do the right thing even after he's actually been pretty heavy-handed. He's beaten people up. And, like, even in a passage like that, it can be this reminder, like, you know, somebody can start well, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to end well. Somebody can accomplish great things and still have flaws. Nehemiah had plenty of them. But, you, but the point is, I'm just saying this as an illustration of just see what you notice. See what you notice and trust that the Holy Spirit is right there with you in your noticing. It's like the... Like the uh, the spiritual opposite of the distractor insect. That the spirit is right there saying, hey, notice this. Notice this. Notice this, Andrew. This is something I want you to pay attention to. Notice this. This one's for you, Angie. Notice this. This one's for you, Carla. Notice this. Lonnie, do you see that? Notice this. So sometimes that's going to be a word of encouragement. I love you. You might not love you right now, but I love you. Sometimes it is going to be a word of rebuke or correction. You know, re- seek, to, seek to end well, Andrew. End well. Nehemiah, he, didn't, he got worn out. Don't get worn out. Don't get discouraged. Don't blame all your problems on the people. Whatever that is, but notice it. The Holy Spirit wants to meet you there in the Word of God. No matter how long you, you spend in the, in the Word, notice what you find there. And trust that the Spirit's going to be there with you. So here's what I'd like us to do in the, just the last few minutes we have together. is I, I'd like to just guide you through asking this 
this question. When it comes to the word of God, how can I set myself up for success? So I might actually leave a, little, a few pauses as I'm speaking because I'm hoping that you're thinking and you're just prayerfully asking that question when it comes to God's word. Lord, how can I set myself up for success? What's it going to take? What can I do? So I'm going to give you a few ideas and some of these may not apply to you. I'm just going gonna, gonna to just send some your way and you just see what makes sense for you. One, you schedule it. If you're a calendar person, I'm a calendar person. You like actually schedule time for it. So from 6 o'clock in the morning till 6.10, I'm going to spend time in God's word. And then you just make it a plan. Maybe, maybe that'll help you. Maybe a, a calendar hack. Or um, here's another one that's been helpful for me is who, who likes to-do lists? Okay, you can get a little real legalistic about to-do lists. I can, unfortunately. But man, it feels good to get that check mark. Some of you understand where I'm coming from. If I need to start a new habit in my life, I make it a to-do list, knowing that if, if, I've done, if I've done this fairly consistently for about 30 days in a row, it'll start to become ingrained and it doesn't necessarily need to be on a to-do list. It starts to become a life habit. So if you need to, though be careful with it because to-do lists can get legalistic. They can. I know this from my own experience. But if that helps you, make it a to-do list so that at some point in your day, I keep a to-do list on my phone. Okay. You know, but boy, it feels good to get the checkbox. <laughs> But I'm, tr- I'm training myself. I'm training myself. How can I set myself up for success? Now, in the illustration I've used, and honestly in my own life, it, first thing in the morning is a, like starting the day in the Word of God is good. And I'd encourage you to do that. But I also recognize that there's going to be some of you where that really, that's not going to work. Some of you were, are shift workers, some of you work night shift. Some of my favorite people in the world work night shift. And morning is kind of a loose category. <laughs> and morning is different every day. So the, the first thing in the morning plan, it's not going to work for you. It probably won't work for you. What will? How can I set myself up for success? Lord, show me. Lord, give me an idea. How can I set myself up for success so that I'm in your word on a regular basis? Here, here's another idea. In, um, you know, on, on, if you have a phone, and you probably do, there's an app in there called the, the Bible app. It's, uh, it came out by, uh, actually, it's, it's the largest covenant church in the country, Life Church. Uh, the, initial, the main campus is in Norman, Oklahoma. It's got, I think, 35 campuses around the country. It's a church of about 25, 30,000 people. It's big. But one of the best things that Life Church has done is it has made the Bible an app for your phone. It is absolutely free. It's ev- almost every translation you could imagine. Multiple audio Bibles are on there too. So some of you are like, I'm not a reader. Well, that's okay. You don't have to like read the Word of God to access the Word of God. You can listen to the Word of God. That is totally legitimate. Great way to do it. And for some of us, um, you know, if, you've, if you maybe feel stuck in your time with the Word, 
Try an audio Bible. It's a great way to get unstuck. But they're on your phone and they're free. They're free. Did I mention it is free? Any phone, almost any phone can run this thing and it is free. Did I mention it's free? And there are plans on it, okay? And for some of you, one of the best decisions you can make to start the year off right is you're going to start a Bible plan here on January 1st on Uversion, the, the, the Bible app. Now, if you happen to, uh, if, you, if you're looking for some ideas, now if you're online, there's going to be, there's going to be a link in the comments, uh, probably right below this little video, or... Um, if you've got the little inserts, you could, there's a QR code. You could do this with your phone. It's like really cool. It'll do this. It'll like pop up. It'll, it's, try it out. But, um, or, or you could go to ColumbiaGrove.org, message notes, and there's, a, there's just a button there that's going to be to our, our church's version page. We have a page on the Bible app. Okay. Right. And on that page, at least the page for today's today's message, there's a whole bunch of different, like, Bible reading plans. I happen to favor the, the Bible in the year plans just because that's been really a good part of my life. That may not be the best fit for you. Um, there are some that are like the, the New Testament in a year. What about that? Like, if you read the New, like, that's, that could be a great way to start. Or there's, there's literally hundreds of other Bible plans, some of them are a little, little devotional thought. Then you're five minutes in the Word. Some of them you can do with friends. So you can like comment and like, you know, find your buddy and, and, and you can do it together. That could be a great way to start. And now some of you, you really don't want anything to do with all this newfangled dumb stuff. You could just use a Bible. <laughs> and those are great too. Like, and so even if it's as simple as you start in the New Testament with a chapter a day, even if it's as simple as that, or um, you, you might refer to, there's uh, Keith Farron, we had him here as a speaker a few months back, fantastic speaker, just love his heart for the Word of God. Others, some other just great ideas, or maybe you spend five minutes or ten minutes in, in, in the Word a day, and you don't worry about how many chapters it is, or you read the same book several times just to let yourself soak in it. Those are all great Ideas, but the point, and the only point I'm trying to make today, start. However you start, wherever you start, whenever you start, start. Oh, I was going to mention this about the Bible app. Here's the other, other thing that may, helpful, be, may be helpful. Is, um, now, the Bible app, like most apps on your phone, can send notifications. Now, you've heard me harp on this before. Um, if you have a phone, I hope you have most of the notifications turned off. I hope you, or I hope at very least you are selective about what notifications you allow onto your phone because your attention matters and your focus matters. And, and, and so part of the digital economy is, is not so much selling you money, but it's selling your attention. You are the product. You are the product for the, for the attention of advertisers, for the attention of app makers. You are the product. But you don't have to be the product. You don't have to give everyone unfiltered access to your attention. 
So you turn off notifications from the apps that you don't want to see regular updates from. So maybe you don't need to know the moment your favorite retailer has a sale. You could look that up if you wanted to know. It's okay for them to not be able to ping you at 6 in the morning about the new sale. It is okay. It's okay to not get a notification from every social media platform on your phone. You don't need to know all that stuff all the time. Or, or maybe you do. I mean, you decide what things deserve your attention. But here might be a good way to give your, give your little phone, hack your phone a little bit. Turn notifications off for apps that you don't want to hear from all the time, like your favorite retailer, and turn on notifications for the things you want a little extra boost for, like the Bible app. So so maybe you do get a reminder, hey, have you done your plan for today? Or hey, have you remembered to pray about this today? That might be a notification you actually want. But be intentional about what gets your attention. Your attention matters. Your attention matters. Be intentional about what gets your attention. Because just imagine what could happen if 2023 was a year where you grew in your life in the Word. Imagine what could happen. And your life finds a greater degree of wisdom, a greater degree of purpose, peace, of focus. Because on a regular basis, you're allowing God's Word to correct you, to train you, as need be, rebuke you. Just imagine what could happen. And just imagine what could happen if that became part of the culture of a church as a whole. That we, collectively, all of us, we were, very honestly, we were people of the word. And the word of God was the primary shaper of our worldview. Like, what the Bible says about whatever the topic is, whatever the cultural issue is, that that became the lens through which we viewed the world around us. We start to see the people around us increasingly as God sees them because we're spending time in the Word. We see the cultural issues around us increasingly as God sees them because we are spending time in the Word. Do you think the church would be more effective if we truly were people of the word? Do you? What if 2023, what if that was a year where where we, all of us individually and then with collective effects, we started that habit? So as as we close, I'd like to invite us to pray a prayer. Um, it's just, it's just simply this. Lord, increase my sense of hunger for your word. My sense of hunger. And, and the, I chose the words carefully there because the truth is you are hungry for the word of God. Just most of the time we don't know it. 
We've gotten, for some of us, we've gotten so used to not being in the Word of God that we no longer even feel hunger for the very thing that our souls crave. So, Lord, increase my sense of hunger for your Word. I want to be a person of the Word. I want to be a woman of the Word. I want to be a man of the Word. I want to be a grandparent of the Word. I want to be a parent of the Word. Of the word. I want to be an uncle of the word. Lord, increase my sense of hunger for your word.